Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergy Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if 3-1 to one is right for you. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 227. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good evening. Uh, Matt Smith cannot be with us this evening as he is working. I don't believe him. Those Air Force Master Corporal types, always on the job. Still don't believe him. I think he's in a volleyball tournament. He's got his jeans. Just just jeans and dog tags, no shirts. I believe for for all our female listeners, there you go. For you, Beth. We'll take <laughs> pictures. Habs unfiltered only fans. <laughs> which which I'm not on, so you can actually go there, not worry. We're gonna see something you don't want to see. Well, if anyone wants to see pictures of you, just go onto your Instagram. It's all friggin' gym selfies. Couple of the dog, then gym selfies. Or me holding the dog in my underwear. That's right. There's it's pretty pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> so you got some news. You put out the news there. You told everybody now you're gonna be moving to Ottawa. I am. I got a posting to Ottawa. Uh so I'll be going there and uh I'll get my posting matches the 1st of April, which means I'll get three months to move there. So June, July is when I'll, I'll, I'll go. Somewhere. What job they give you? I will be in a group that's going to try to improve recruiting for the, for the Navy, not the whole Canadian forces, just the Navy. So, and I've been told I go up, they, they want me in this group because uh, I am not a yes man. And they know I'm not just going to agree with everything everyone sees. So I pretty much think my career is done because um, uh, people in Ottawa aren't used to other people saying, ah, that's stupid. <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> so that's not how it works. So you decided because your career is done during your career manager meeting, you're going to tell him to go F himself from blame. But that my is what you too. said. But that is what you said. Yes, I did say that, but I mean. You told me to tell him. <laughs> yes, I, I did tell you to tell him, but you know. Well, I did. That's what friends are for. That's what friends are for. Messages <laughs> to a 
the guy who's nicknamed Frenchie. <laughs> yeah. And he's been texting me ever since with a lot of weird stuff. I listen, what you guys have between each other is between each other. I don't judge. I just support. True. I think, I think he's still kind of shooken up from all the, uh, from that full year at sea with me. Don't want to know. You keep your sea wives to yourself, Blade. Well, it was, it was me and Jared Maddie's were, you know, in the office with them all the time. Yeah. He must be loving Ottawa then. He is loving Ottawa. And Frenchie, if you're listening. Yeah. Ice, maybe, maybe use a loofah when you do it. <laughs> Don't want to know. Don't want to know. Two careers ruined in one day. That's great. Don't want to know. All right. Anyway, we're, uh, we're rambling on. We're going to move on to something more important to you. And that is the Montreal Canadiens. So Kent Hughes, the newest GM of the Canadians, had a, uh, a yet another press availability. He was on TSN 690 today. He, it was a great interview. Uh, my impression overall of Kent Hughes so far is he is a confident person, well-spoken, articulate, educated, I, and he seems to have a pretty good grasp of the team already. So I'm not going to say, hey, rah, rah, this guy's going to do a great job. But so far, he's saying the right things. Bergevin said the right things when he came in as well. Uh, sort of. That's why sort I'm, of. That's why I'm, I'm just holding back um, a little bit. The thing I find different between Bergevin and Hughes as I believe Hughes actually has a plan that he wants to implement and he has a vision of how he wants this team to be uh, along with he and Gort, uh, Jeff Gordon. Um, and yes, I think they're going to work as a tandem. I don't think it's going to be the Hughes or Gordon show. I think it's going to be the Hughes and Gordon show. Um, I think he knows what he wants and I think it's on the same line as from what, Gordon wants because in Gordon's presser he wanted a more offensive faster more lean towards analytics type team and Hughes kind of without the exact same words said the same thing he said he wanted a a more offensive team Uh, he wants the team to be faster and uh, analytics will be a big part of how they uh, build their team now by I say big part it's not going to be all analytics. It's going to be analytics with the eye test, with the basic stats. That's how you, that's how you pick your players. Sorry, tiger team. It's not just analytics, but. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the Habs did have an analytics department before they these two arrived, but, I don't but it think wasn't Berge, very large. And I don't think Bergevin really paid too much attention to analytics. Berge, I mean, let's, let's be honest. And, and I'll, I'll get into this now. I think the defense is going to be a totally different defense under Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. It's going to be a uh, offensively minded defense or more of a two-way defense, if, if that makes any sense. Uh, So picture Jeff Petrie only faster, really. Uh, Because of the way I found uh, uh, Bergman built his defense, what he wanted the big, tough, defensive defenseman yeah uh and then he'd fill in that was his important that was that was his uh prime directive for his defense and then he goes all right well i'll just get scrub offensive defensemen to throw in with them just to have it like gustafson and straight and yeah victor mete well he had weber right and he figured i've got weber on my top pair here's this big uh throwback type of defenseman who can do everything. I'm just going to get a Weber clone for each pairing, knowing that exactly these guys can't do what Weber does because they're not Weber clones. Weber no. was more than just a defensive defenseman. Um, and he also had Jeff Petrie. So he's like, all right, so now there's my other offensive defenseman. I'm good. Cause I don't need one for the third pairing. And it just didn't work. 
it, it didn't work. And uh, it worked in the playoffs last year. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you got to get there. But you got to get there. And that was Montreal's biggest issue in the last couple of years uh, was getting there. Plus, I think some overachievements pushed him further than he should have went with uh, some moves that he made the, the next year's. Um, True. I, I think the win against Pittsburgh and the COVID cup there, I think they jumped too soon after that, to be honest with you. But anyway, that's all said and done with. Um, but I see Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon with a, a, a different team. I think you're going to see a little bit of Boston in there. I think you're going to see a little bit of the New York Rangers mixed in there. They're going to style their their teams around the way they're being built. Um, they're going to bring in, for the defense, you're going to see offensive-minded defense. You can play two both sides of the ice. Um, they have the Romanov. So Romanov's going to be your big hitting defenseman who can move the puck and has an offensive. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be a 40, 50 uh, point off defense. 25, 30 point guy. Tops. And uh, that's all you want from him though, because he's, he can move the puck out of the zone. He can get the puck in the other zone, but he's going to, people are going to, Oh, Romanov's on the, on the left side. I'm going to go to the right because they're not going to want to come down to his side because every game you see lately is a highlight reel hit from uh, Alexander Romanov. Yeah, he's averaging five hits a game. Yeah, and he's, uh, what, third in the league, I think, in hits right now? Well, he dropped down to fifth because the other guys have more games in. And I'm just saying, for a second-year player, I'm 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 happy with him, uh, and then you you look at the guys coming up now. One thing Bergevin did do is he filled the cupboards up pretty good for Hughes and uh, uh, especially on defense. Um, you have your Caden Gooley, Matthias Norlander, uh, Harris Struble. If they Harris him. Harris is a big one because yeah. he is probably the the best defensive prospect that is NHL ready out of the bunch, yeah. and. He might be, he might be the best defenseman in the NCAA this year. So if he can sign, and uh, from what I hear, I think uh, he was coached by Hughes at uh, some minor level. Yeah, the spring hockey he would coach uh, because Hughes lived in Boston, mm-hmm. and his sons played. So uh, he coached his kids and. Uh, Harris was on one of the teams for spring leagues and summer leagues. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so so they're familiar with each other, and yeah. I think they're going to be happier with this uh, management than they are with the Bergevin management. They might be. Uh, they might be. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think you're. I, I'm very optimistic and excited about this new management team. I think they want to bring an exciting element of hockey back to Montreal. Uh, they did take the game in, in uh, Vegas and Hugh said that he really liked what Vegas did, what Vegas was doing there. He liked the excitement that they brought around the team and he wants the same for Montreal, which to me, and then Vegas puts on a great show. Now, I don't know if he has anything to do with the show they put on, but uh, if he, the players are exciting, it's exciting hockey to watch. And I, I think he wants to do the same. Now, the question is, do they rebuild or do they retool? So that's, that's, that's the, the thing, question. right? So. <clears throat> or what can they do with the contracts that they're left with? That's well, that's and that's the, the thing. Question. So right now uh, they have not talked to uh, the players in regards to the plan yet. He, uh, so Hughes admitted that today it's a, uh, it's 21st of January. So today on TSN 690 with um, uh, Mitch Melnick, he went over this and he said he hasn't talked to the player to especially guys like Gallagher and price. He has to sit with them in the, in the next week or so. And he's going to explain to them what his ideas are, what they expect, what he, what he expects. And he's going to, he didn't say to see if they want to stay or go, but that's the underlying tone. Well, Um, guys like Gallagher and price, do they want to go through a three to five year rebuild price? won't. He's 34 now. By the time the rebuild's done, he's in his last year of his contract, and yeah, almost on his way out of his out of the NHL. So, because if they do a rebuild, and now Horton, uh, Horton, Hughes, and Gorton, <laughs> Horton, here's a who? Hughes, Gorton, here's a who's. 
So the two of them have five-year deals. So that uh, that's Molson saying, I like your plan. I'm going to give you five years to get it going. So there's going to be some patience in the first few years. So if they do a rebuild, it's probably going to take three to five years before they're really up to speed. So like you mentioned, does Price want to stay through that? Does he want to play through it? Do they want him there propping them up and winning games they maybe shouldn't next year? You also could look at Price the other way too. They could make that rebuild shorter than three to five years just with his play. He could also, through his, uh, through his play and his leadership, help mentor the team mm-hmm. so that they're not developing their younger players in an atmosphere that could drag them down. I mean, you look at Buffalo. Buffalo went all out for the tank to the point where their own fans were cheering losses in their building. Uh, Montreal's not far behind this year. No, but <laughs> you look at that and you see where uh, where Buffalo is now. Yeah. It's been 10 years and they're still, they're still where Montreal is now at the bottom. Yeah. So do you want, do you want to deal with that? Like it, there's no guarantee that if you do a full rebuild, you'll end up the Pittsburgh Penguins and win back-to-back cups. You know what I mean? Well, Pittsburgh took 15 years in a rebuild and uh, you're not going to see nowadays. And this is why I say, do we want to rebuild or retool? Because if you look at the Rangers, Gorton's last team where he was GM, did they really rebuild? Yes. Not, uh, yeah, they did a rebuild they because did. they got rid of a bunch of pieces. They kept a handful of veterans. They traded for younger guys. Now his rebuild went much faster because he was able to get a Panarin. And a Fox. And Fox, and then win two lotteries. Yeah, but I don't know. I think when you go out and get a guy like Panarin, of course, he did, Panarin didn't want to go anywhere but New York. So it wasn't, exactly. really like, wasn't really like he was like, you know, trying to get him. He knew he was going to get him regardless. But, uh, you know, because that uh, rebuild took, what, two and a half years? Three years. Hmm. But like, like, we, like we mentioned, Panarin shows up because he wanted to play in New York, knowing that it would probably be a few years before they would be winners, but he wanted to be in New York. And then uh, Fox shows up because he wanted to be in New York. He's from around there. He wanted to play there. He's always wanted to play there. You add him to the mix. Then you win a couple of lotteries. You, you add in his trade for Zabinijad and Zabinijad developing into a first-line center couple other little trades. Now, Gorton left before they can, he can finish off the work, but Jury. Uh, uh, Jury, yeah, Jury's doing a good job uh, bringing in those last pieces to really solidify that team. He brought in, he brought in some good he grit. Uh, Reeves he brought in for uh, some Truba. grit and muscle. Truba's there. Truba, oh, geez, a big, tough defenseman who can move. So he fits in with what Gorton was building on the blue line, but adds that that dimension that the the team was missing. And now look at the Rangers; their their first almost what first overall, second overall. Uh, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, but they're right up there. Yeah. So they're, I would say they're in the mix for being a team that could make some noise in the playoffs. They're fourth overall. There you go. So. I think what you when you mentioned the blueprint for the new blue line, I agree. That's what they're probably going to be going with. Uh, and we talked about advanced stats earlier, and the Canadians under Bergevin used the advanced stats, but which ones did he value? Like, was there any that he it's, really put a, a value on? It's, it's tough to say because he didn't really go out and get any analytical darlings. Foley's not an analytical darling. Anderson's far from an analytical player. Well, I can understand the intangibles. You know, Edmondson. Well, you get the intangibles Savard. for guys like uh, like Anderson. A power forward is required. Um, Toffoli's a guy who could score. He can play a two-way game. His, his advanced stats in some areas are good. Some areas are bad. So which ones was he focused on? And which ones are Hughes and Gorton going to be focused on? 
I believe Bergeron was more of a defensive-minded GM. He wanted his team, and you could tell by the coaches he hired. And we'll get into coaches too, because Hughes made a, a, a interesting yep. point in his press conference. Uh, but I'll get that in a minute. He he hired Tarian, Julian, uh, and Julian, both defensive first-minded coaches who relied on his veterans and the players they trusted. Yeah. So developing a young player under both them coaches, yeah. Gorton, Unless, Gorton hired Vigno. In, in New York. He did. So he did. So, I mean, I don't know. And Hughes' comments about the coaches was he's going to build a team in a certain way and a coach, a coach needs there needs to fit what he's building. So what yeah. I think Burke Bergevin did is he built a team around the coach that he had. If that yeah. makes any, any point. So he hired yeah. Terry and his coach and he built the team to the way Terry and coaches and Julie, the way he, when Julian came in, he brought in players that fit Julian's type of system. Um, defensive forwards, defensive defensemen, defense first type players. Uh, now both Gordon and Hughes say they want to be more offensive. They want to be more, a more offensive team. They want to be more, a uh, so I'm looking to see them change their dynamic and you're going to see less Arturi Lekkonen's and Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson's and more guys like Fox and Panarin and Marchand and Bergeron. You know what I mean? More guys, that kind of, yeah. you know, they can play defensively, but they're also going to get you 60 to 70 points. Which is probably why um, one of the first people mentioned in any press conference repeatedly by Hughes has been Suzuki. Cause he's that, uh, he's that two-way center. He's a defense. He's his defensive game's already very mature and you can tell that he's got the offense there, but it, he needs something to help him unblock because it, it's not quite there yet. And, and, and this year is going to be hard to evaluate because for the majority of the season, he played with the AHLers and, third line players really because everyone's been either injured or with COVID now that except seeing, him he's indestructible that, it's blueberries we, we figured this out the other day on, on, his mother his mother did confirm that blueberries and an iced coffee or an ice cap and I eat a cup of blueberries a day and I've never had COVID so it's blueberries stop Must drinking eat. your urine stop drinking urine eat blueberries I, I'll live the way I want to live. All right, then, but <laughs> make sure the first little bit that comes out, you leave alone because that's where all the bad stuff is. That's right. <laughs> Just make sure you buy a lot of Tic Tacs if you're doing that. We're not going to judge you, but, you know, you. Um, no, so uh, anyway, uh, Hughes did confirm as well today that he has already been in discussions with other teams in regards to trades. So it, it's not a huge surprise that Gorton would have warmed that bell and Hughes has oh. picked up, picked it up and carried on with it. Sherratt's definitely going to be gone. I think uh, a Terry Lekkonen going to be gone too. I heard rumors. He might be going to New York. He's a type of player that can help teams in the playoffs. So I wouldn't be shocked if, and he can give you value back because they're going to have control over him for another year. At That's right. So. And with, uh, with Lekkonen, uh, the Rangers did call asking about him. That's been confirmed uh, mm. through the fourth period. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a first coming back because this is a solid two-way winger. Or... Or uh, that Russian uh, player they have over in the Kraftstov? KHL, Kraftstov. Maybe you'll see him come the other way. I'll That's a possibility too. Could be, but it's the but he was a first round pick, so it's that. But that's what I mean. That's why yeah. you could see a one for one for Lekkonen with Kratsov. Rangers are trying to get rid of him because he's not going to play for them. Yeah, they get Lekkonen. Canadians still get their first round pick. I would prefer the pick myself, but. It depends like if Gordon is sold round. on him as a prospect. Sure. And he did draft him and he did, you know, well, so we'll see. We'll see. But um, for those who are saying 
that you won't get much value for a Lekkonen just because he doesn't score a lot of goals tends to forget that GMs value things other than yeah. just goals and assists. Yeah. We talk about advanced stats. He, Lekkonen, has amazing advanced stats. His XGF, his possession stats all show him at an elite level. He, he lead, leads the Canadians in XGF by, I think it's at 56 something. He's and over 58 by, now. Well, it, and it's, it's not by a close margin. He leads no. by, by a huge mark. By about just, 58. <laughs> they're terrible. This <laughs> Everyone else is minus 17 or lower, but uh, yeah. And it's so, so but it's kind of funny you say that because everyone's like, Oh, Sherrod will definitely get a first. All right. So what makes you think Sherrod will get a first? But Lekkonen can't. They're the same exactly. style of player, except Lekkonen's a forward and he's a defenseman. Kinda. Which to me gives Lekkonen a bit of an advantage because he can score. I mean, he scored the biggest goal in Montreal history uh, over the last thirty years. Yeah, over the last thirty years. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I did. I just find it weird because I. I Yes, there is a defenseman and a forward, so you can't really compare, but they they're gonna be other teams are gonna get them for almost the same reason for defensive help during the playoffs. Uh yeah, going through the playoffs. Yeah. That, that, that's why grit. Get depth, grit, <clears throat> uh defensive play, penalty killing, all these things that are needed in the playoffs, because the playoffs are a total different game than the regular season. And the teams, the teams that are trading for these guys are contenders and their first round picks are near the end of the first round. So the value is lower than you would say, Hey, the Oilers want to trade their first round pick right now. Well, I'll take that because it could be in the top 15. Exactly. So there's a big difference in value of a first round pick. If it's 25 to 32, you know, it's almost the second rounder at this point. So, you know, a contender's happy to give that up for a piece they feel is going to really help them get over the top. So Sherrod, you look at Toronto right now, they consider themselves contenders despite never winning a series, but why are they not winning series? Because Muzzin's the only defenseman with any friggin' spine. You bring a Sherrod in. Now you have two. And when Muzzin got hurt in the series against the Canadians, uh, the, the guy said after the, after the series, I mean, Sherratt said it, uh, Toffoli has said it, that when Muzzin went down, they said, yep, we've got this series. Uh, I, 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 I truly believe that because it was totally different. Everyone talks about Tavares, but when Muzzin went out, the Leafs were told He was their spine. Yep. And uh, um, with uh, uh, Sherratt, I don't think he'll go to Toronto because I don't no, think they'll trade no, no. within. The I just use them as an example, but th- it's a good example. They do need another defenseman like that. Uh, lots of teams need a defenseman like that. And you're right. It'll be a 25 to 31, 32 pick. However, you could use that 25 to 32 pick package that in with a second round pick or a prospect or a player and get yourself a, 15 to 20 pick. Yeah. If there's a prospect that you really like at say 16 and you're holding the 25th move up. Yeah. And Gorton has shown that he is willing to do that. And I would assume Hughes would go along with that being that, you know, he wants to build this team. So you see a player you really like, and you, you know, he's going to fit your system because he wants uh, Hughes has mentioned, he wants to build, uh, a culture. So if that player fits that culture you want to build with the skill set that you're looking for, why the hell not trade up? And I mean, Gordon's done it before as early as what last year, the year before. Um, yeah. 2018. Oh, okay. I thought it was 2020. 2019, something like that. Whatever. Anyway, he went to, from he traded his 27th pick to get the 19th pick. It was a 2020 draft because they were doing it remotely. And uh, so that's fine. And Danny Bergevin never did that. Bergevin had 4,000 second round picks and didn't trade any of them to move up. No, he traded back a bunch. 
he always traded back or swapped picks or got traded his seventh round pick next year for Philly's seventh round pick this year, which he did like six years in a row. I don't know why. However, those picks did get us Evans and Primo. So I guess it worked out for him. Um, And uh, Harvey Pinard. And Harvey Pinard, yeah. Um, So it would be interesting. Now, I do believe there's going to be a split of duties between Hughes and Gordon. I think Hughes is going to be the money contract uh, negotiation side type person. He's going to be the expert on that. By I say split, I don't mean he's going to make all the decisions and Gordon's going to make all. He's going to be the one saying, you know, I'll take charge of this. What do you think? You know, do you agree with, you know, and I think Gordon's going to look on the developing drafting side of things. I think he's going to be, uh, so look to see Hughes deal with most of the trades, most of the contracts, most of the negotiations. And when I say that, I mean, he'll be the guy in the lead for it. He'll be the guy making the suggestions you know, saying this is the way we should go. And I think Gordon will be the drafter developer and, and that side of things. Yeah. And the way, the way Hughes has been talking, he's, he's a big proponent of taking in information from all levels. So yeah. I'm sure that if he's looking at trading for a player, he'll talk to the players. He'll talk oh, to his coaching staff. Absolutely. Anybody who knows this guy, he'll find out as much as he can. Everyone will have a, their two cents, but I agree at the end of the day, it's yeah. going to be his call but Gorton's going to be right there in his ear. Yeah. And, and I truly believe, and I really loved when he came in and said, and the question was even asked to him at his presser about, uh, you know, bringing him in as a, when he said, I would not be here if I didn't feel I couldn't do the job. Yes. Cause he already had a successful job that he got paid good friggin' money at. He didn't have to leave being an agent, you know, and come to, to be a GM of Montreal. I mean, I mean, it just means Patrice Bergeron is going to be a Montreal Canadian next year. But uh, <laughs> and Chris Letang and Chris Letang, we all the it's guaranteed they're coming. Yeah, and you Nicholas Delorier and Nicholas Delorier. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. And that press conference, I was very impressed with the showmanship behind it. So Chantal Maccabee, def- you can see her, her fingerprints on there. Her team, apparently uh, Chantal, uh, France Bélanger got together. They came up with a plan with uh, Chantal's uh, communications team. And they used the backdrop of the Bell Center. So you have the Stanley Cup banners, all the players, uh, all the retired numbers. And they brought in some former players to be on the sidelines. They had, they had the, uh, the blue carpet out on the ice and you, there were uh, former players along there. Uh, Daniel Sauvageau was there. Which we can get into a little later. Yes. But uh, I think it's, I think it's key. Uh, Chantal's uh, hiring. No, it's a big change. And now it's going to be a little bit more open and having the backdrop of the bell center in the big wide open space that that kind of gives you that subconscious feeling of openness and you know well, according to the great Guy Lafleur, this is now Chantel's team so uh, of course so of course and I I you know what I, I love what she did it was her first big presser uh it was her first big uh kick of the can and she she blew it out of the park she uh oh yeah home run she did an amazing job uh, but talking about one of the guests that showed up to that, uh, we'll segue into this part of the uh, the whole thing. Um, oh, you mean, I didn't just set that up like a T-ball, did I? Um, so assistant general manager. Yes. Uh, Hugh said he would, they were going to hire more people, that uh, there will be more to the team. I believe there'll be another head scout or a, a uh, it won't be uh, just Martin Lapointe. I think he's going to have a boss. Well, I don't know um, if they're going to be able to get anybody until after the draft. But there will be someone. There will be. And, but they said they're pleased with what Martin Lapointe's doing, and who knows, maybe he'll he'll get yeah. the job full-time. Who knows? Uh, but assistant general manager, I believe that a name you mentioned, one of the guests that were, because I find it mm-hmm. awful convenient that they were invited as a guest to this uh, 
this event and uh i'll let you say it because you got the french accent <laughs> danielle sauvageau was there so uh, she's yeah. uh she I, is... I won't butcher i won't butcher her last name that's why i uh... she's been with uh, with uh, hockey canada now for many many years she's she's a well-known coach she's she's known for her her skill development she's coaching mentorship and it's not just women's hockey that she's been working in she's been working in both men's and women's so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she's an AGM, but I would. Well, she is one of the people that were rumored to be in the mix for the GM. Uh, although I don't know if she was interviewed at all for the, I don't know. Yeah, she was in the first round. So why not? Why not bring her in as an AGM, see what she can do? Uh, you know, they got to, women have to start somewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, what perfect place in Montreal to, uh, to uh, be one of the first places to have a woman in the uh, in the general manager or high management level. Now, um, Molson and Gorton both said that the uh, that a few of the other candidates in this GM search impressed them. So she was she could be very well one of them, and I would not be surprised if she was put in charge of player development. Mm-hmm. Is that? It's kind of her area. Yeah. And and that's great. I, and I do believe they need assistant GM to be the GM of Laval. I don't think the GM of the Canadians should also be the GM of Laval. I think they should have a say. I think they should, you know, but I think that should be it. Because Bergevin, I think when he was in there, he wore a lot of hats. And yeah. And I yeah. think he did too much. He, you know what I mean? His fingerprints were too much into everything. And everything kind of went the way, exactly the way he wanted it to. And sometimes when you have one person at the wheel, it doesn't always work as you think it's going to work. So I like how they're, they want to put a group together. It's almost like they want to build a management team, yeah. not just a manager. Cause a lot so. of stuff when you're, when you're holding something so tightly, mm-hmm. you take the, uh, you got so many things on the go. So it's every little job is a grain of sand. If you have that much sand, grasping your your grip tight trying to micromanage each grain things are going to fall out yeah but if you keep your hand loose and you share the the burden with the entire hand that pile of sand will stay right there in the palm and and i'm not trying to bash bergevin i mean he did get montreal farther than any other gm since serge of our he is the winningest gm since serge he's also been there the longest but uh, <laughs> just saying. he did. The teams did win a lot of playoff series under him. I think nine in his Something ten years. Like that. The, yeah, the most since I think he even had more than Serge Savard, if, if I'm not correct. Definitely the most Canadian-based team in his uh, tenure. Series wins over that last yeah. 10, 15 years or whatever. So I mean, it's not that Bergeron was a terror. I think just think he had a certain way he wanted his team to be. And it just doesn't work with today's NHL. Um, no. And that's why I was asking which advanced stats does he focus on yeah. versus what the new group are going to focus on. It'll be interesting. Cause I mean, you have to admit when you had Tatar, Deneau and Gallagher, you had one of the best forward lines analytically in the NHL. Well, yeah, possession-wise, they were, I think, the second best line over that uh, that three-year span that they were together, yeah. or two-year span. So uh, it's not like, you know, they were putting lines together, you know, willy-nilly like they do now. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't think they had much choice this year. Just saying. Um, I, I'll be another thing I'm interested in is we brought up the coach, and he said he wants the right coach for the team. To me, that didn't sound like he was all that quick to fire Dom Ducharme. No, but he wasn't exactly throwing his hat in the ring saying, that's my guy either. Correct. And it'll be interesting to see how next year goes. Now, Dom Ducharme is not getting fired this year, this season. It's no, not no, happening. No. It's uh, far too late in the season to fire. And you bring somebody in, what are they going to do? Like They're just so- paying a third coach to do... To help your you're team, paying three, you're paying three coaches just to have a shitty season. You might yeah. as well just keep the guy. Now, 
I don't believe Dom Ducharme should stay with the team. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was the, the head coach next season to start anyway. That that's yeah, no, he did say that Hughes mentioned that he's going to have a sit down with Ducharme. He's gonna listen to his plan, what his idea is, and he's going to let him kind of prove that he belongs. Which to me says, yeah, we're going to let him finish the season, which is what Gordon already said. But it's not that he's saying, basically he's saying you're auditioning for your own job. And that never goes well in the NHL. Yeah. And and rightfully so. The man's only won 20 some odd games in his NHL career. So uh, team hasn't won back-to-back games yet this year. Although they should have last night. But uh, yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, again, he's had a rough year, lots of injuries, lots of, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I just think this team would be a totally different team if they were fully healthy. True. But, but I also think if they were fully healthy, Mark Bergeron would still be GM and uh, things would be a lot different. I, I'm kind of, I, 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 I like the, I like the direction the team's going. In a way, I'm kind of glad things went the way they went. Yeah, it's kind of fortuitous that they had such a, that literally everything that could go wrong did go wrong in oh, the off season. For and, sure. and now you've got a new management team with a new direction they want to take the team, um, which is coming at a time when you have a few players that are getting a little bit older and they're making a lot of money. And today, during that same interview on TSN 690, uh, Hughes mentioned that he is going to be looking at clearing the balance sheet, which means moving some big money contracts mm-hmm. out. So guys like Carey Price, who he said he hasn't talked to yet, um, uh, Gallagher, Petrie, uh, Anderson, but Anderson has flat out stated he wants to be in Montreal and he wants to play through this, whatever it is. Uh, Toffoli has stated Toffoli said wants, the same thing. Yeah. yeah, he wants to stay. Um, and Gorton confirmed that no one has asked for a trade. So that kind of points towards Gallagher and Price. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So we'll see what they're going to do there. And that and, and really Gallagher and Price makes sense. You're, yeah. you're you're starting a new team, you're starting fresh. What's the best way to start fresh? You get rid of the old and you and you come in with the new. And that's nothing against Gallagher and Price. It's nothing, no. that's not a that's not a knock on them. It's more to give them a chance to win. Um, more, if that's what they want. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't know what they want. They both could come back and say, because they both have no move clause and no trade. Well, I think uh, Gallagher's a no move, no trade clause, however that works. He has an 18 um, no trade with a no move to the minor. Right. So they can't just wave them. Yeah. And then you have Price with a no move clause. They both could say, no, nope, I'm staying. Fuck you. And, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean... But again, Gallagher if you're going to be could move, but and, and if you're doing a rebuild, yeah. I mentioned Buffalo's issues. You want to keep some veterans around the team to help mentor your young guys. You don't want the team to suck so hard that you know you're going to lose every game. You want to know you want to know that your team is going to show up every night and compete. You may not win, but you'll be there and you'll have that opportunity. Yeah, and, and I think that's. Even in this rebuild, I think Montreal still wants to be competitive. Uh, I think Hughes and Gordon still want to be somewhat competitive. For um, entertainment pers- purposes, especially. Exa- exactly. Like, you think of Montreal right now, the last week or so, they've been competitive and entertaining. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, uh, especially the last two games. The last two games have been very entertaining, competitive games. Yeah. Um, but through the majority of this season, you sit there and go, do I really want to watch the game tonight? Uh, do I? Yeah. <laughs> you know and what that's I mean? Just, like, that's just people at home that are going to turn on the TV. And that's what about what the saying. people that are going to be going to the game? So you, just to go to a game, you're buying two tickets. You're looking at anywhere from two to $600. Yeah. 
for and the tickets. And, and you're debating on if you should take a loss because you might not want to go. So do you want to sell the tickets or do we want to go? Exactly. And, and then and that's not what a fan should be doing. No, matter no how bad you're looking at the money for these tickets, the money for the concessions, because you buy those tickets, you're going to buy a couple of beer, going to buy a couple of hot dogs. Uh, you pay for the parking that's near the arena that the team gets a cut of. So all these things add up. If they're, if they're not entertaining, people are going to say, well, why am I wasting my money? Exactly. And I mean, I don't mind a team losing if it's entertaining hockey, if I'm enjoying the hockey, if like the game in Chicago, I complain about the loss because I didn't think they should have lost or exactly Vegas last night where, yeah, they lost in overtime because of mistake, but they played a good game. They took it to overtime. They, they, they played well. Uh, the game in Dallas where people are literally scoring goals off their faces. Yes. You know, you, you want that. I mean, I could also look at this team and go, all right, I'm not expecting anything. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not expecting yeah. this team to do well. I'm not expecting to win games. I'm not expecting to make the playoffs, but I do want to see an entertaining game. And I, I want to see, I want to see Suzuki get a point or I want to see Caulfield get a goal or I want to see, you know, you got to look like I look at the games now and I just look at certain players and I want to say, all right, how's this player going to do like Paling, Caulfield when he plays Suzuki. Uh, and then I, I, you know, that, that's what I do. How, how is this, how are these line? how is this line playing together? Um, you know, and then I complain that the coach broke that lineup, even though they're playing good together, but that's just, that's just the way it is. Or your, or the matchups that he's giving them or the players don't really mesh that well together, or he's giving too much ice time to someone say uh, like, I don't know, Dauphin over Paling. Or Pazetta who just scored a goal. Who's, who's on a three game goal scoring streak and he gets eight minutes in a game. Whereas a guy like Dauphin, who got a secondary assist because it went off the back of his leg, got double that time. You know, yeah. you know, and things like that. That's the stuff that will keep people watching, will keep people paying for tickets and going to these games. Um, and that kind of brings me back to the, uh, the leadership aspect, because you need those guys to keep the guys in the fight. And Hughes, and this is the last portion of the show, Hughes mentioned in his interview that there will be a new captain for the Canadians next season. So he kind of said it without saying it. Weber's Weber's done. He's done. Yeah, he's, I mean, we kind of knew that Bergevin kind of came out and said he's played yeah. his last game. Uh, but I think everyone had hope Had oh, well, maybe, maybe with this time off and blah, blah, blah. Weber's a warrior, you know, even if he's not, even he's only at 70%, he'll come back and play. Um, Weber's a warrior, but Weber also has a family. He also has, you know, a life ahead. He of wants him. to be able to walk on both his yeah. legs when he's 50. I mean, he's only in his mid thirties. So, uh, exactly. you know, uh, I mean, I don't even play pro sports and I already have an artificial ligament or a cadaver ligament in my knee. So, uh, you know, imagine what he has bionic the six million dollar man only bionic not caught yammy <laughs> i i literally need a note from my doctor sh- saying that i'm filled with metal so that i can travel through the air me going through security at an airport is a gong show i know i've seen it <laughs> i've never seen a man tackled so much in my life <laughs> <laughs> my shoes are off my shoes are off that doesn't help when I say, look at his ass, look at his ass. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> there's so there's so much room there. <laughs> Is that a family of Filipino? <laughs> <laughs> I got to make my money somewhere. It's not on this show, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, no, it, but so there's going to be a new captain. So Weber, he's going to, he's, I don't know if he's going to retire. Or if he's going to just stay on the LTIR, maybe Hughes can trade him, maybe not. That's neither here nor there. The C is coming off of Weber's jersey in the locker stall, and it's going to go to someone else. So is that someone Gallagher? Like, do they say, hey, Gallagher, do you want to stay? Go through this with us. We're going to give you the captaincy. Or do they? does he say, no, I want to go somewhere. I want to win. 
And did they give that captaincy to Suzuki? If Gallagher stays, I think it goes to Gallagher. Uh, if he doesn't stay, I can see Suzuki getting it. Um, and I can see a guy like Anderson, if he stays, getting an A. Uh, I think Anderson's a big leader in the dressing room. He proved that, that uh, rough game Primo had. Came out and talked with him and, and encouraged him. And uh, a lot of There's a lot of people who don't like Anderson. Most of them are analytical people. But uh, I think Anderson brings a lot to the game that you can't put into numbers. Um, but I, I think, I mean, if you look at the roster, I mean, if it ain't Gallagher, who can it be besides Suzuki? You know, I mean, I, I don't see it being like a Petrie or anyone like that because I don't see them lasting long enough to bother putting the C on. Um, no. So... Uh, yeah, if it's not Gallagher, it has to be Suzuki. I, I, don't, I don't see who else it would be. Or do they just give it to Suzuki and Gallagher stays to mentor him with that? So Maybe. It's, Maybe. I fully expect Suzuki to end up with the captaincy. Mm. I, I do too. I, I, in two folds, I, I kind of don't think Gallagher's going to be there. Um, and, and which kind of makes it sense too, because Gallagher was Bergevin's boy. And uh, yeah, Bergevin's not there anymore. So now I don't know if Bergevin's going to have a press conference when he gets traded and he's going to cry about it. But uh, well, I know this much Gallagher didn't shed any tears when Bergevin left. Maybe Gallagher goes to LA. That love wasn't reciprocated to Bergevin. I'm telling you, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he did alone in his, in his apartment yeah. after it got yeah. robbed. He's more stoic but, than Bergevin. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe Gallagher ends up in LA. Well, you know, it's possible. And Brown, his contract's up at the end of this season. And that's about what, uh, what Gallagher Gallagher was making. making. They play the same kind of game. You got Bergevin there as a special assistant. Uh, Rob Blake loves those kinds of players. And I think Bergevin's going to be the assistant general manager, I think, uh, next year. But uh, maybe I don't know what the plan is there. You got Deneau there, who plays well with uh, Gallagher. Yeah, two thirds of one of the uh, best lines in hockey over the last few years. Yeah. All of a so, sudden, yeah. Who knows? Makes perfect sense. Who knows? So if he goes to LA, you heard it here first. We <laughs> called the Gallagher to LA move. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll text Mike Camito. Let him know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gallagher's coming your way. You heard it from the insider. 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, before we call it quits on this show, we'll do something fun. We'll predict where Sherratt will end up. And we'll come back to this show at, at the trade deadline and we'll say, ha ha, we were totally wrong. Ends up. Yeah. Who do you think is going to trade for him? That's a good one. That's a tough one. I'm going to say Colorado. Okay. I think it's, it's, it is a tough one. I think Florida's in the, would be in the running there. Uh, the they, Rangers that wouldn't be maybe. a first round pick. Florida oh, yeah, there wouldn't be a first round pick, or not this year, anyway. No, but uh, it all depends what's being offered, right? Could be a high at uh, their top prospect. Yeah. Who knows? Um, Lundell, I'll take Lundell for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know Toronto would definitely be in the running, probably offering up a ton. I like New York. New York was another team I was thinking about. The Rangers was another but, team I was thinking about him going to. I think maybe Boston. The Bruins, they do need help on defense. Yeah, and you look at how Sherratt plays, that's definitely that kind of hockey. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. So you never know. And Boston has picks. They do. And Gorton has a history with Boston. And Horton uh, Hughes knows them Horton. well, and he's lived there. You're going to call him Horton from now Horton on. Horton all the time, yeah. <laughs> It's a two-headed monster. <laughs> we'll just call the whole group. When we say Horton, we're talking about both of them together. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Goose just doesn't sound right. <laughs> Houston. Houston. 
<laughs> and and another thing is that I noticed the before we go, I noticed the language things coming out, but in the opposite way. Uh, before it was always, I don't care what language he speaks as long as we win, except I don't want him to be French. Now it's, wait a minute, this guy is not a true Quebecois, even though before it was we just want a French-speaking coach and GM. Now you have to be a true Quebecois. And in, in order to be a true Quebecois, you can't move from Quebec. You have to live there forever. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. Give up on the on the, on the on this. Just give up on it. I thought he spoke very good French. His French uh, home, was, his French homemade packs. You're you're a fucking idiot, and uh, uh, I know you're going to go on about stuff because you're you're an idiot and you just and I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out on the show because I, I don't think he listens anyway. Uh, well, no, because we speak English. True, uh, and uh, yeah, your comments on Twitter were just bush league and stupid. And uh, he called me a vodzu, a sellout. Sure. You kind of are, though, Blaine. You'll do anything for me. Because I left. Yeah, but you're from Sudbury. That's where I grew up, yeah. Anyway, you know what? I'm, I'm not French at all. I can, I, can, I can understand it. I can speak a little. I try. I do my best. But here, here's what I look at it. Hughes was very well-spoken, and English and French. Yes. He is from Montreal. Meaning he's a Quebecer. And so we lived in uh, uh, Boston. Is Celine Dion not a true Quebecer because she's been living in Vegas for the past 25 years? No, because her name is French. What about, uh, I guess, Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't count either because his name is French. That's right. Uh, Anyway, yeah. Anyway, You're allowed to leave if your name is French. I'm done with this language thing. (laughs) No, but then it's not not language. It's... No matter what anybody does, it's never good enough for them because they're only following the team because there's no more Nordiques. True. True. Now, if Gary Bettman would have went to that meeting and said, you're right, Quebec Quebec guys, we got to put the Nordiques back in. Then we'd have this whole thing settled. Yeah. Anyway, that's the show. That's what we got. Um, We'll be back with the next episode. We're going to have we have some good stuff coming up down the pipe. We're going to have some guests coming up in the next week or so. Uh, so it, sh- it should be a lot of fun. I just want to mention Boxing Rock Brewing Company's Puck Off Lager Dale. Puck Off Lager Dale. If you've got up at the break of dawn and spent all day drinking rink coffee while cheering your team under your hockey blanket, you and your dedicated waves deserve a super refreshing, perfectly normal beer to share with your friends. Puck Off Lagerdale is brewed with hockey and all its characters in mind. Cheers to a great Puck Off and cheers to you, hockey parents, inspiring coaches, valiant referees, and of course, the ever-loyal fans. Uh, Honestly, this stuff is really good. Um, I make sure that I keep a little bit in the house at all times because, you know, (laughs) watching the Montreal game, you need to to lubricate the tears a bit. so for those of you who live in Nova Scotia or have access to an NSLC and are 19 and over, tag Habs Unfiltered in any social media scape that we have an account in, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok. We're on all of that. Tag us in there and tell us why you like our show. What brings you to us and hey even if you can just throw a chirp in there too but share the share our name share the show and you're entered automatically to win a 12 pack of puck off lagerdale cans from our friends at boxing rock from shelburne nova scotia so that's it for the show i want to thank everyone for listening um treg thanks for you know taking time out of packing for Ottawa and lifting things and putting them down. (laughs) So uh, everyone, thanks for listening. And remember if you were talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to habsunfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. 
looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.